When you listen, what you learn from those experiences is the voice of direction is always there. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to telling relatable stories that inspire a fluid approach to life, purpose, and to navigate change. Today's guest has had a lifelong appreciation of art, culture, design, music, and food, and she has built businesses around her passions, as well as nurturing and supporting artisans and small businesses. When her personal life stepped in requiring more, she was beckoned away from the businesses and lifestyle she had built, and she had to leave her globe-trotting career as a tastemaker behind. Drawing from her experiences and knowledge, she transformed her keen abilities into a hybrid of coaching, mentoring, teaching, and accountability to guide entrepreneurs and creatives on their journey to realize their best and to create, manage, and grow successful businesses. Welcome, Gail Barrell. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be here. I'm so excited to be one of your first guests. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. And um, you're, you're quite a, an example of, of the women that I, that I uh, uh, am, am talking to as well as interviewing because you're, you're, you're somebody that has resilience and has reinvented. So I wanted to just uh, touch on your history and what you were doing early on in your businesses and, and how you got there. So we want to okay. share with that. Share us with that. Okay. Us. Well, being that I'm in, in my um, 60th decade, I have a lot of career experience and business experience. So I'll start with um, a general overview of the first maybe 25 years of my career, <laughs> which, <Yeah>. <laughs> which, <laughs> which was, has, my career has always been in what I like to think of as lifestyle businesses. I started in the fashion industry, in retail, in wholesale, um, and then I sort of evolved into the design industry, interior design industry, and I sort of... Um, melded the two of those into a retail business mm -hmm. that was called Algobar Home and Life. And it was a combination of interior uh, decor and my other passion, which became at a certain point in my life, cooking and food. And so I had a gourmet section and a third passion that I've had since I was a child um, when my mother and I would stay up late, watch Johnny Carson, and we would drink tea and have toast, which is crazy when you think about it, feeding chi a child at 11 o'clock at night, tea and toast. But somehow it worked, and it it's a memory that I have of my mom. And so tea has a very um, sentimental um, feeling for me. So I also, um, at Algabar had a tea department, and I imported tea from a very famous and exquisite um, tea merchant in Paris called Mariage Frere. So I had uh, this retail business and um, in 2010, after all of the craziness of 2008 and nine, I closed the retail business and still had an online tea business. And there was a moment when I was packing orders and writing a quick note off to the, this unknown person that was going to receive this tea and trying to communicate what I had been able to communicate in my retail store, I realized that the online business wasn't for me. So I closed the tea business and I sort of jumped back into my interior design business that I had been doing also when I had the store. Um, and that sort of... Um, brings me, should I get to, should I go to the next segment of Well, my I just career? wanted to kind of mention how yeah. um, at those times when you were kind of moving in and out of ideas, a lot of entrepreneurs do that. Yes. And we just have to find it in ourselves to, to be willing to make those changes. And also you are quite ahead of yourself with the, with the tea because tea is such a hot thing right now. No, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> but it is such I a know. big deal right now. And I'm such, I've always been a tea lover and I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. So um, when you realize that and you had to let it go, I think that's just so um, wise. And it, I don't know. It's hard. It, it's hard because it's like a baby that you have to let go. And I've been there and I know that feeling. So I just want to just applaud you for having Thank that, you. that, uh, agility, that flexibility of, of, of assessing your life and then saying what you love and what, 
wait, I thought I'd love this, but not so much. Yeah. So, you well, know, it changed. And I think yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs experience that when you're in a business for even these days, things are changing so rapidly. It could be three to five years and something changes and you have to assess, is this still what I want? And it was a very hard decision to make. And I, I was grieving. I was, first, I was grieving the loss of the store because that was what I loved. I loved the connection that I could make with people. Yeah. And I loved going in every day. I loved getting dressed for the store and I loved going in and I loved meeting new people and teaching them about tea. And I used to do tea tastings and I, I, had, I had water. I had this guy that I met who was a water importer uh-huh. and we had a water bar and we had about 20 different waters from all over the world, including rainwater from Tanzania. Oh it was gosh. bottled in this beautiful little bottle that cost like $20. Oh and we would do tea, water tastings and tea tastings and we had chocolate tastings. And I just loved that sharing the things that I was passionate with, with other people and helping them to see the little things, like why is this water? The water does taste different. You know, it does taste different. It has different healing properties. The chocolate, you know, the, the chef, the, there's a chef that creates these chocolates. It's not just one formula that they repeat for hundreds of years. So I loved that. And so well, I think that's I something grieved. that's really special about you is that you really, um, you enjoy the experience and the experience in itself not that you are out to always sell products, but you know, it sells yeah. the product because it's experience. But I also want to say too, is that I, I think women especially have to be resilient because we look at our lives and this is going to lead to what I'm going to ask you next is we look at our lives and, and what we're doing and we may love it. We may have created all these wonderful things, but then we, we get to a place in life where we're like, wait a minute, I have to reassess. I have to pivot. I have to change, but that doesn't mean I lose myself. So what happened? Why did you have to give up the store? Well, technically, I had to give up the store because the business was struggling. After 2008 and nine, it was really struggling. People in California, especially in LA, Mm -hmm. um, being in the entertainment industry, we had had a writer's strike in late 2007, 2008, the economy crashed. People were losing their homes. A lot of people in the industry that were the support system Mm -hmm. for the industry. So... We did a lot of gifting, as you can imagine. Yeah. And um, and tea, while tea was very pre- starting to happen at that time, it was very um, people were very interested in it. It couldn't support the whole space that I had. No. Um, it was it was huge. So that's why I I had already taken it online, which was early. You know, in two thousand and eight, to take your tea business online was early. Yes, yes. I had a I had a site on Yahoo, which was like, when I think about the technology and how clunky it was and how complicated it was. But you know, I always tried to think ahead. But then when it was only online tea, you know, and I was developing a business outside of California, which was great. That was my intention to grow the tea business outside of California. So I wasn't so reliant on the retail store, but I just, I so missed talking to my customers and hearing what they like and what's going on in their life and suggesting which teas would be best for them, which ones I thought they would like, giving them a taste. Everybody that came into my store got to taste any tea. So I just, you know, it was really a grieving period for me when I had to close that. I really, I went into a very deep depression and sadness, really, um, because this whole way of life that I had dreamed about as a kid, my college project was creating a retail store. (laughs) So, you know, so it was a really, and, you know, I realized how expensive it is to, create that kind of environment. And um, I just didn't know if I'd ever be able to do it again. And if I'd ever have the stamina to do it again, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but I loved it. So as, as you know, when you're doing work that you love, it fills you with energy and you have the energy to pursue it. But as soon as it starts to get heavy, then it gets hard. 
and it was getting heavy because people were just not shopping and they were coming into the store for tea and I was, you know, teaching about tea, but I just couldn't keep the doors. I would have kept the door, you know, the store open forever and sold little bits of tea and been happy, but I couldn't keep the lights on doing that. So shifting to online just didn't do it. And so I finally sought some help to make that decision. Should I give it, give the online business my all and put everything that I had been putting into the store into the online business? Or should I step back and reassess and pivot and do something different? And that is key because taking, giving yourself that space instead of Sometimes we just get so busy, so caught up in the thing that we lose what it is that makes us happy, yeah. where we're finding our joy. And I just want to touch a bit on the, um, you know, you, you were depressed, you were, you were mourning, sort of, you know, grieving this loss. You know, I think a lot of us, especially entrepreneurs, we, we created the thing, we, we, we got the prize, we were doing it. And then whatever happened, we made a change. I, a lot of us align ourselves with you know, yeah. who we are. Yeah with what it is we're doing. And I absolutely. Think, so, so there needs to be, I think it was smart that you gave yourself that time to sort of grieve it, you know, um, because uh, uh, a lot of times we have an idea or we have something that we're so enmeshed with that we love and we have to let it go for whatever reason, family, um, finances, what have you. And I think it is so important. And I always urge people that I mentor, just give that, give it some time. Even in my old career of interior design and we'd be in a a space and I'd have to bring that news of, Hey, we can't do this thing that you were so hoping to do. And for me, that's a, was a daily, that was a daily, right? 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 But for them, I could see on their faces how crestfallen they were, how sad. So I had to take a moment just, you know, I'm so sorry. Honor it. Yeah. Honor the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so here you are 2009 closing down your store. What happened next? So um, the interesting thing is, as I said, I sought out some help. So what I did was I was a uh, member of a network of women entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. at the time, and they offered a course, uh, like a group coaching course is what I think I would describe it as now. I don't know what they called it then. And there were I think there were five of us, including the facilitator in this group. And I'll never forget sitting down at that table and meeting the women. And we went around the table and each woman was, you know, um, powerful in her own right, had already achieved a certain level of success in their business. I think each, no business was less than three years old. I think we were all at least three years in business and, um, there was just so much possibility and opportunity. And then it got to me and I just was so, it was so hard for me to say, I'm at a crossroads. Should, should I jump into online 100% or should I take the skill, the talent, the knowledge, the wisdom that I've accumulated and do something else where I'm face to face with my client? And so that's what I worked through while they were working through growing their business, hiring teams, dealing, there was a two partners. So th- their issue was, you know, how do they communicate better now that their business is growing? And one of them was, has children. And there I was ha- asking for help. And that's how I got it through group coaching. Yeah. So at the, at the end, the decision, and the interesting thing was everybody around the table, of course, their first instinct was, go for online, you know, like go for it. Why wouldn't you do that? You know, that's, it's up and coming, it's happening. But over the, I think it was four weeks or four, yeah, four weeks of the course or the session, they got to understand me more and understand that while that sounds on the surface, like a great idea, Mm -hmm. it doesn't align with what, with my mission in life and who I was And so they then shifted and supported me in making the decision and coming up with strategies on how to move forward. Well, you have a superpower and that is you, you just interface so well with people, you know, so that I think if you were to give that up and just go online, I think they saw that probably is that, 
Yeah. They went, oh my gosh, if you were to just go online, you would lose that thing that you just do so naturally. So what a great thing too, to, to seek out a group. Women should always seek out groups. Absolutely. And so. you, you know how that later influenced some of the choices that I've made and the right. things that I've done. But that's, mm-hmm. that particular experience influenced two things mm-hmm. in my life. You know, how, how it influenced me ultimately becoming a coach and ultimately launching my community for entrepreneurial women. Yes. So that four or five week experience was a really, a real pivot point that I didn't realize in the moment. And I hear this in the, all the stories. Yeah. Somebody will say, I was at a pottering. I, I decided to take, you know, ceramics class. And then all of a sudden, and then that led to the, it was like organic. It's like, yeah. there's, it, it's there if we're open to it. So you were there and, and you were open to hearing, which was great. And, and you got this whole new sort of trajectory going. So I want to talk more. Let me hear more of your story. Around that time, I closed the store in 2010, in the early part of 2010. And in the later part of 2000, so I was dealing with the online business for the next mm-hmm. several months, trying to figure this out. And then I went through this process. Um, I, my dad was also sick. And he was not, uh, 90... Uh, two years old, 92 or 93, I can't remember. 90, let's say 92 years old. He had lived a very full life. He was an entrepreneur himself. He still had his business. He had chosen not to retire. He had a, what I would call a light manufacturing business in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was down to uh, two or three employees, two part, two full-time employees and maybe a few part-time employees. And uh, one large building that he owned with that was filled with his uh, inventory, which was paper. And he had never retired. So he was running this business. And he was talking about self identifying with your business as you were earlier. It was it's one of the lessons that I learned from him, that he so I dealt self identified with his business, that it was really hard for he couldn't imagine who he would be. If he retired. And we talked about his passions and his interests, but he just couldn't figure it out. So he never retired. He got sick. And um, that year was a really difficult year for my mom, who's about 16 years younger than he was, um, mostly because he men that age from that generation was born in 1918 are not good. They're not good patients. They're not used to being downed by illness and, Mm -hmm. you know, having lack of energy. So, and he still had this business running. So it was very difficult for my mom. Plus I have two siblings who have special needs and they were living in the home with my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. So um, because my business was in that transition where I was trying to figure out what to do, I stepped up for the family and um, started traveling back and forth between Los Angeles and Philadelphia. Um, uh, uh, Just, you know, to be there for the doctor's appointments or whatever. Um, I also have another sister who lives in Los Angeles who was just starting a business in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And things were going really well. Things were looking good. And she had had several years of figuring out her pivot at that mm-hmm. time. And so she had finally figured out what it was and she was starting to build a team and then something happened and it just started to, you know, exponentially grow. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, the responsibilities for the family. And at some point we split the responsibilities and I stepped up a little bit bigger because I had the space and it was, it was her time. And so um, in my dad passed at the end of 2010 and at the beginning of 2011, my mom fell on the ice and broke her hip. Oh, yeah. And so, and again, I'm in LA, my sister's in LA, my mother is in Philadelphia with my two siblings. And, um, so we, um, she did, she was not doing well after the fall. And so I started going to Philadelphia more often and more often. And before I know it, a year had passed from maybe like May 2010 when I started going to doctors with my dad to May 2011. And I had spent literally 26 
out of 52 weeks in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. So I hadn't made much progress on my business. Needless to say, yeah. I was still doing the tea thing, but I was in Philadelphia on a trip and my one employee who did all of my packing and shipping resigned. Yeah. And he was in LA and I couldn't I couldn't go back and replace him quickly. So I wasn't able to meet my shipping commitments and at that time, I had a several retailers and wholesalers and restaurant retailers and restaurants and spas that were buying my tea wholesale. So my premier account was the Montage in Beverly Hills, mm. and it was a dream account. I loved working for them. They gave me so much opportunity to be creative and to create a tea program for them and work with their chef. But by the time this moment happened, where I didn't have a person to ship their order, there was new management there. I hadn't really gotten the chance to get to know them because I was in Philadelphia so much. And literally within a month or so, the order stopped. And I never shipped the montage again. It just stopped. It just ended. So once again, another sign was telling me that, you know, maybe this, if you can't be present um, and do what you do, maybe this wholesale retail, you know, wholesale online thing just isn't for you. Right. So that was so in, um, uh, like I said, after that one year of not being present, losing my premier account, therefore losing the whole, the biggest chunk of my wholesale base, which was helping to finance the rest of the business. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to move to Philadelphia. Yeah and help my mom because it just, it, it was, wasn't serving anyone. You know, I was, I, my business was struggling. My mom was not improving. She was actually getting worse. And so I decided to, it was, that was another tough decision. I didn't want to live in Philadelphia, but I, I made but that you decision. Also, I think you, in order for you to start this new life, you had to sort of clear the way and, and, and calm the waters of the family and what was going on and you were needed and your sister was really engaged in her new business. So it, it made sense for you to do it. It wasn't this, you know, you weren't running from anything. It was right. obviously you made a really wise choice, but I think women, especially, and I, you know, I, I drew my little map the other day and put it on social media. It, we have to sort of stay sanguine, stay fluid because yeah. these things come up and most typically, I mean, studies show, women leave whatever they're doing to take care of family. And, Absolutely. and so that's just what we do. And so we're kind of the glue of the family. And especially when the older parent, you know, parents and siblings are needing us. Um, I think it, it can be done. We do it. And so you're, you're, you're a, definitely an example of that. So um, go ahead and, and, and let me know how it went in Philadelphia and what you decided to do there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you make a really good point about how we, um, we show up. And I think in that moment, I just asked myself, like, what is most important right now? Right. And so that was it. It was my mom because she was, I knew she still had many years in her, but at the rate that she was going, she, it, she would not have lasted. She had lost so much weight. She was actually malnutritioned and was malnutritioned and was losing her hair. That's how bad it had gotten. So I was just looking at pictures this week of that time and then of her a year later. And so that was really the sort of the gift to me to see her a year later and see her healthy and happy and out there and enjoying, you know, her family and her friends again. So yeah, I never questioned moving to Philadelphia from that respect, but I didn't intend to stay there forever. I just didn't know how long it would be. So I literally brought everything that, you know, I narrowed, I narrowed it down to, cause I had a lot of things from my mm -hmm. retail and my interior design time, but I brought the things that I love so that I could be surrounded by them, including this bookcase and all of the things behind me came to Philadelphia with me. And I stay, ended up staying for five years. Wow. And so the way, the way it all came down with my career was about a month after arriving, I was sitting in my apartment and all of, 
these things were up on the shelves and all of the pictures were on the wall. And I was just sitting on my sofa looking around and thinking, okay, now what? Now what? I mean, I knew that I had a big project ahead of me because I needed to deal with my father's business. He had employees, he had a building, he had a paper, he had inventory, he had customers and, you know, things, it was just sitting there. So there was money that needed to be collected. There was money that needed to be paid. We needed to make sure that the building didn't burn down, that the employees didn't do something crazy in the building, that the, na- the neighbors were complaining, that everything was overgrown or yeah. all of the, it was just, so I knew I needed to have balance between mm-hmm. running that business, helping my mom and my own needs. So I just trusted that I'd figure it out. But I knew that people were, you know, again, people suggest, have a lot of great ideas and suggestions, but um, they were saying, why don't you start your interior design business again? You can do that. But Mm -hmm. you know, as an interior designer, what it takes to develop relationships with contractors and with vendors and to even find clients, you need to be networked in. And so that just didn't seem realistic because of that, the resources that you need, but also because of the demands. I needed something to do in Philadelphia that was totally flexible Mm -hmm. so that I could call the shots and I could decide when I worked and when I didn't work because I never knew when there would be an issue with the building. Right. I also, another thing I'll mention just for anybody that is out there that might have to deal with a similar situation, my dad in his last years and his ill, you know, not feeling well, he didn't file tax returns. So there was, um, I think there was maybe one year that was under dispute with the IRS that they were trying to set up a court date with him and then he got sick. And then there was another two years after that, that he didn't file because he was waiting for this court date. So um, there was just so much on my plate for the family that I had to do something flexible, but I couldn't figure out what that would be because I was so used to product oriented businesses or Mm -hmm. tangible businesses where you go and and design something contact. Like I've done event planning. I've done, you know, all of these things where you're in contact with people. So I just, I just had to trust that it would come. And I was so busy with the other things that that was my focus. And then there, there was this one day, which I will never forget where it seemed like I got the message to be a life coach about five times including I was standing at the bank at a a bank that wasn't my bank, trying to make a deposit for my mom for the business. And two women in front of me were talking about their one woman was telling the other about her life coach. And she just kept saying the word life coach, life coach. And it caught my ear and I had heard about life coaches and I had seen some online things, but it wasn't anything that was in my, you know, frame of reference or focus. And then this is what convinced, no, there was two other things that convinced me. Then I watched a TV show that uh, one of the characters was a life coach. And I thought, that's so funny. Isn't that funny? That woman went to the bank was talking about a life coach. And then I go to bed and I can't sleep. I'm just tossing and turning and tossing and turning. And I just keep hearing in my head, life coach, life coach. And then I just finally heard this voice in my head say, just go Google it, Google it. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning and I Googled life coach and uh, this program, how to become a life coach came up and I clicked on that and I started reading it. And you know, that feeling, it's the same feeling I used to get when I would walk into a retail store that I loved, like the environment was beautiful. It smelled great. The sound was great. And you visually could see all these amazing things. Yeah. Sort of that same rush you get when you have that kind of sensual experience. I Google on this, this, this organization that teaches life coaching or coaching, they call it. It's not life coaching. And it was the same thing. Like everything I read, I just started to get really, really excited. And then I thought, well, you can't just, you know, do this right away. You need to do more research. So I looked at other 
coaching programs. The next day, I put an email out to that group that I had been a member of in LA. And I said, I know some of you are coaches. Are, are any of you life coaches? And uh, about four, five women got back to me and told me about their experience and what they did. One of them had been, gone through the program that I had seen that I was interested in. I spoke to two or three of them on the phone. And I called that organization, which is called IPEC, I-P-E-C, mm-hmm. and spoke to someone there. And coincidentally, or I should say serendipitously, they had a training program starting in four days, four or five days in New Jersey, an hour and 15 minutes from where I lived. Oh my gosh. See, there's just no mistakes. I think everything kind no. of aligns when you're open no. to it. Absolutely. When you listen, like what you learn from those experiences is the, the voice of direction is always there. Yes. You just need to listen to it and not poo poo it and not shake it off and not be so busy that you don't remember to listen. Yeah. So five days later, I was sitting in a coach training course Wonderful. And that's how I sort of got to it. So as you could see, it does tie back to that co- that moment when I needed coaching for my business. And I, in that moment, they helped me so much mm-hmm. that when this life coach thing came up, I thought, you know, entrepreneurs need that. If I had had that earlier in my business life, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of choices that I would have made differently. Yes. They helped me make a really good choice in that moment. I would love to do that for other people. That's great. And also too, you know, let's talk about what you've created out of your coaching because you have created this great experience of, of bringing people together. And I think, you know, you are just fantastic at it. And I, I honestly believe that women, especially we, we need our, our cohorts. We need our, yeah. our circles. And I have gotten really good at whenever will you and I share something with siblings who who have um, high functioning or you know they're they they have a disabled they're disabled they uh, mental special illness needs. or special needs yeah and so you know I reached out to you and then I have all of a sudden I put it out there and I have five women that I can talk to and it's usually women because yeah. mom dad passes away mom passes away and we're we're dealing with this the sibling who's maybe older than us that we're having to deal with their lives. So you just are so great at, at connecting those dots for people. And I think the, the, the real crux of it is the community and the, the cohorts are what I called earlier today, crowdsourcing. We're not, yeah, net, we're that. not, we're not networking. So I get tired of that. That's got such a negative connotation. Anyways, networking is feels like here's my business card. Here's my, I'm trying to make my business grow. It's more about, we're crowdsourcing and we're, and we're supporting and bolstering each other. And the, and because of that, our businesses thrive. So can you kind of give me a little, um, just, you know, explanation of what you're doing now with, with, with this in mind? So I became, this was eight years ago Uh that I became a coach and I've been coaching ever since. And I coach entrepreneurs that are either starting growing, starting managing or growing a business. And most of the entrepreneurs that I coach are in the in some sort of lifestyle creative business, although not exclusively. Um, so I have been I had been doing that for five years, I think. I actually, and I will say, in terms of a timeline, I did move back to California. I'm sitting in Malibu right now, in the most beautiful place in the world. Yes. And I want to add that when I was in Philadelphia. Um, perfectly happy being where I was, but knowing that eventually I would get back to California. I had two pictures on my bulletin board of a living room facing out to um, uh, the ocean and another of a bedroom with a mountain view. And I actually, in my home right now, I have a mountain view and an ocean view. So that picture is what really helped me get through the five years, um, knowing that when I got back to California, that was what I hoped to find. Right, right. So... Anyway, I got back to California and um, being in Malibu, as you know, we're not, we're not that far from each other. Yeah. It's, it's only an hour from Los Angeles, but it feels like a world away. It, yes, absolutely. And in some ways, a good way, but in other ways, from a business and networking point of view, it's a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
I, I will never forget my first meeting where I was meeting somebody that I hadn't met that was interested in what I do and having me speak at one of her events live. And we were meeting for lunch and I gave myself an hour and a half to get somewhere that should take about 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was about 30 minutes late. So it took me two and a half hours to get to LA. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. For, I, lunch, I for lunch. Yes. Yes. I completely relate uh, yeah. to that. Yes. Yeah. So I tell that story so people can get some sense of perspective why from that moment on, I started thinking about ways that I could create some sense of community that um, so that I could stay in touch with people, but not have to do this running in for a meeting here and there and being late. So I also at that time was, um, that was my year of networking, actually. That was why it happened. I set an intention for that year to be the year I get out because I had been for one year living in, in Malibu and hadn't really added to my network. I hadn't met anybody new. Mm -hmm. So I should say that there was a direct intention around, you know, meeting people. So I was involved in several different networking groups at that time. And one of the things that I noticed was that there were a lot of younger women. At that time, I was in my late 50s. And I noticed that there were a lot of women in their 20s and 30s, some in their 40s, a few in their 50s, one maybe in their 60s. And yet I knew because I had clients in, that were in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that were in business or even starting a business. And there you know was what? nowhere, the, the they, weren't, they weren't showing up for these, net, these women's networking groups. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say statistics show that more people in their 50s are starting businesses than people who are younger. Exactly. It, I people know that. always think, oh my gosh, I don't want to start a business. I'm in my 50s. It's like, well, yeah. you're the guy that started Starbucks. He's in his 50s. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a time for where we can take wisdom and knowledge and apply it and, exactly. and look at the circles that we have and the people that we know. I think it's a, it's a great time. Anyways, go exactly. ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So, and not only are they starting businesses, but some research is showing that they're actually, their chances of being successful are greater because yes. of exactly what you said, the experience, the wisdom, and most importantly, our network, because we've been networking for so many years. Yes. So Anyway, I would go to these networking events. I would meet lovely women. I was always happy if I walked away with even one or two great ideas for my business or some insight into my business. Mm -hmm. But what I was missing was that thing that I didn't even realize until that moment, but that we all need role models. We all need someone to show us that if they could do it, I could do it. Right. And so when you go to the events and the women on the panel are in their 20s, 30s, and even at that time I was in my 50s, 40s is a different life phase because a lot of women in their 40s still are having children or have young children, different life phase. They're not necessarily taking care of their parents, different. Mm -hmm. So there was just nobody that I could look to and say, well, she's, she's dealing with her parents. She's running a business. You know, she's healthy. She, I, I, if she could do it, I could do it. Yeah. And I, that's when I started thinking about how we could benefit from gathering together to share what we're going through because we're thinking we're, we're starting businesses for some of the same reasons, but for also for many different reasons mm -hmm. and we're caring for our family, but we're maybe not caring for children. We're caring for aging parents or siblings mm -hmm. that need our support. Yes. So that's, that's how I got the inspiration. And I just, I just felt like it needed to, to happen that somebody needed to pull those women together, the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies even. Yes. And create a space for us. I love, you sent me an email after one of our events and you called it the modern day knitting circle or I quilting, 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 circle. quilting circle, right. Quilting circle. And so it I feels love, like it, it, it does. feels like it because, yeah. because it's casual, but yet it's totally focused on our, the growth of who we are and our business. And so I started, uh, what, what is now called uh, boost entrepreneurs, um, almost two years ago. Right. And, and it's on social media as we boost 
right? We boost each other. Each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's fantastic because uh, a lot of times too, women were so busy and sanguine and flexible and moving around that we are isolated and we do need that connection. And when we connect, I think we're a powerful, we're a force. We are, we are a, force. a force and we care and we know a lot and we um, connect. And so I think if we can continue to, you know, make these small groups grow, like not a huge, a, one huge network, but make these small groups within around grow, I think it's so powerful. And, and I have groups that I meet. I meet up every Saturday with what I call my wisdom circle. And I have all these different groups that I connect with because I feel that that's where I get my strength. And also I bring something to them. And it's just really, I think it's just how women work. We're, we're, the, we're doing the modern, we we're doing the, the modern quilting circle. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about the groups and how you've evolved your coaching and, um, the, and putting together the communities. Well, um, it's interesting because I was, it's sort of, you'll sense the theme throughout everything I've been talking about. Um, I'm an introvert, but I love and get energy also when I'm with people, but I need my space. I need to, you know, need my space. And when I decided to do this community for entrepreneurial women over 40, one of the prerequisites that was at the top of my list was to do it with someone else to collaborate and partner with someone else. Because mm -hmm. as much as I love coaching and I mostly coach one-on-one, -on -one, I also do workshops, but I mostly coach one-on-one -on -one and I coach online. I don't coach in person. I felt like if I was going to add something to my plate, not only did it need to help the bigger, you know, the whole, but I also felt like I, I wanted to have that experience of collaborating with someone again. I really missed that. So I just set it in my mind to find the right person. And to speak to the power of these networking groups, I met my person at a dinner, a networking dinner. There were 20 women there and we were sitting at this beautiful long table in downtown LA and she was at one end and I was at the other. And we went around the table and everybody, the typical thing before we eat, everybody introduces themselves and says what they're doing. And I chose for the very first time to sort of gloss over the fact that I was a, you know, coach for entrepreneurs and to instead talk about this idea that I had of launching a community for entrepreneurial women over 40. And there were... Uh, two women at the table who were over 40, the woman who was running this group and this other woman at the other end. And so when I said that this was something I was thinking about, she sort of put her head around so that she could see me and she just went, we need to talk. <laughs> and so her name is Tony Puri and she is now my co-founder of Boost Entrepreneurs and she, her background is in PR. So she brings a lot to boost a lot of experience and knowledge that I just don't have. Mm -hmm. And my background is in art and design. So I handle all the visuals and the graphics and she handles the marketing, the, the PR and um, like the business development part of it. And together we create these amazing events for women that we call living room conversations and pre COVID uh, we used to do them in my living room out in Malibu Saturday morning, and um, they were great events. I always used to say that they were introvert-friendly events because we tried to make everybody feel comfortable uh, doing what, what typically people call networking, but our events are much more about inspiring and empowering women and supporting women, mm -hmm. and finding a co-founder was part of that for me. I felt like it was, it was also my turn to feel supported and to feel inspired. And by having somebody to do this with that, it would be, you know, two plus one plus one equals three. I just felt like we, it would have a bigger impact. So, yes. um, so yeah, so we've been doing until COVID, we have been doing these events, um, and we've had, I think what, what I love about our, the women that we've had 
um, as our featured guests. We don't call them speakers because they don't come prepared. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just, we ask them questions and we call it an engaging conversation. So we're basically a living room of women having a conversation about um, who they are, where they came from, their vision, their inspiration, their challenges, and how they overcame their challenges. And we all walk away so empowered and inspired. And um, as you know, it's amazing to hear about other people's challenges and struggles and to know that, you know, look at them now, you know, they like, you know, they, they went through so much and they were resilient and persistent and they, they, you know, evolved into, um, something, you know, they evolved through it is what I should say. So that's what Boost is about. It's not necessarily about educating on business plans and social media. We do a little bit of education, but it's really, it's really about uh, empowering and inspiring and motivating. Well, in the word boost, you're boosting up other women and these stories that people tell uh, they can align, everyone can align in some way to those experiences. And it, it does give them the, the courage to, to do what it is that their heart's telling them to do. And I love that you, you, um, you know, decided to partner with Tony. Um, I know Tony and she's, she's fantastic. And it's a great thing to, to know when, to know yourself well enough to know that this is what I bring and this person's going to bring this. And I have, so many other facets of my life that this, this thing that we're doing, we can do together. And then that frees me up to do these other things. And again, you know, that sanguine having to take care of family and life, you know, you and I share um, a lot of things that are in common, but one of the things is we have siblings that, um, you know, are struggling um, that, that are um, disabled in some way. And um, so just let's touch on that a little bit, because as women, we do feel that nurturing and we want to rush in and take care of, take care of mom, take care of, you know, the the siblings. Um, How do you manage all of that? Um, How do I manage it? I don't know that there's a process to how to manage it. I think it, it is every day, just it, I really do take it every day. And I, I set my boundaries when I need, you know, when I feel like I'm pushing up against them. But um, I guess the way I look at it is it's, it's a person, it's a human being that is having a challenge Mm -hmm. that I love, that I have known their whole lives. My siblings are all younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I, I, it pains me to see them struggle and suffer. Right. And so um, in most cases, they're going to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the challenge, and I feel good about that. I don't, I don't feel bad about that. The challenge is when you are of service to a lot of people in your life, mm-hmm. um, you tend to, your, your, your name is close to the bottom of the list. Yes. And so you know, for me, the challenge isn't with the, the needs that my siblings have. The challenge is keeping myself in the equation. Right. And so I'm always conscious of, you know, making sure that there's, you know, I, that I, I'm focusing on what's important for them, right. not what just has to get done. And sometimes I make choices or decisions that maybe will cost a little bit more money Right. In the long run, if, if it was going to be five hours of my time mm-hmm. that I am not able to focus on my business, then I, I make that decision. And so that's, that to me is the challenge doing the, the, uh, being there for them. Um, and I, I do want to add that my sister and I, I think I said earlier, we are very intentional about who does what. And yeah. we share in the responsibility. And I'm really grateful and lucky to have a sibling that um, we see eye to eye on mm-hmm. that. And that makes a big difference in, yes. in terms of the, not the amount of work to do, but in the anxiety around it. When you know 
that you have, somebody has your back if you can't, like if there is something that's really important to you, like today I'm sitting here talking to you and mm-hmm. five minutes before we were about to start, text started coming in about my mom mm-hmm. um, from her caretaker. Yeah. Knowing that my sister can take care of that really helps a lot in terms of the level of anxiety around caretaking. And that, oh boy, I've been through it um, with my mom and the caretaking. And then now my sister, and I do have two other siblings that are brothers that aren't as involved, but you know, I, I, I pause and I wait to see if she can figure it out um, or if she will reach out to them because I don't, I, I am always available and I know myself to, to charge in. So I, I do take care of myself and just say, okay, what part of this do I need to get involved in? And I also balance out if this is going to take me five hours and I can hire someone or, or do something this way, I will. And I, I honestly think that just takes wisdom from living life and knowing where the balance is and holding those boundaries. But at the same time, as women, we, we show up, we show up. Mm -hmm. And so your businesses are really, what you're doing is, you know, being a coach and, and creating these communities really are perfect for, for being able to, to be still there for your, your mom and your sister and sister, your siblings. And so to me, I, I really just applaud how you've positioned yourself to do all of those things and still live a really good life, um, Gail. I, I just really think that you're an excellent example of resilience and um, really uh, encouraging others to, to do the same. So we may not be celebrities, but we certainly are a force. And uh, <laughs> we show up, don't we? We always show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you for, for taking the time today. I know that that doing this kind of thing isn't your favorite thing to do, but you need to be heard because you're just so amazing. And um, I just want to say to Gail um, is, is on the resources. I'm going to put her, we boost her boost um, on, on this as a place to connect, but also I have her on the resources as a coach. So you can find her there as well as in the show notes and Gail, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you again for listening. You can find links to any mentioned resources, mine and my guest social media, and more, all in the show notes at elizabethribbons.com. That's ribbons with one B. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend or coworker. Reviews and word of mouth is still the number one way to learn about new podcasts, so I appreciate it. Until next time.